If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. The title of the message this morning is From Harlot to Scarlet. What we're going to read is a conversation between Rahab the harlot and the two spies that were sent to check out the land of Jericho. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Joshua chapter 2, beginning of verse 8. And before they, being the two spies, were laid down, she, being Rahab, came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon, who we talked about last week, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house, watch this, and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours, if you utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your way. The men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. Thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. Final verse 21. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. Watch this. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. Would you pray with me today? Father, we bless you. We thank you. We praise you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And God, right now, may the anointing of the Holy Spirit be upon us to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in the demonstration and the power of the Spirit. Speak through this vessel. Lord, may your name and your name alone receive the highest praise. We'll give you glory and honor for these blessings in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Again, this is a conversation between Rahab and the two spies that have been sent by Joshua. The time has come for God's people to possess the promised land, the land that the Lord had told Abraham he would give to his descendants. 
Joshua strategically sent two spies to check out the land and report back to him of their findings. And so they come to a harlot's house. I don't know what other way to put it. A harlot's house. A prostitute. A woman of the evening, if you will. Her name is Rahab. Let's talk for a few moments about Rahab, the harlot of Joshua chapter 2. For this would not be the last time you would see Rahab's name in Scripture. Much could be said about this woman. She was a Canaanite, clearly not of the Jewish people. She would boldly and carefully hide the spies who were Jewish people. The time would come she would bear a son whose name was Boaz. You can find that in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5. She eventually would have a great, great grandson named David who went on to be the greatest earthly king in Israel's history. She was in the genealogy and ancestry of the Son of God. Her name is found in Jesus' earthly family tree in the very first chapter of the New Testament. And yet with all of that, she is identified five different times in Scripture as Rahab the harlot. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, in the great hall or chapter of faith, you find that she is called even there, Rahab the harlot. Max Lucado wrote a book sometime back called Glory Days. And in the book, he pondered this. He said, wouldn't one time have sufficed uh, to call her Rahab the harlot instead of five times? And, and wouldn't it be, isn't it bad enough that her name sounds like Rehab? Five times she's called a harlot. Her name sounds like Rehab. But the Bible doesn't drop the reference. In fact, her reputation seems to hang like a neon sign over her life. And we would argue and say that that is too much until we come to grips with the reality that that's part of her testimony. That's where God brought her from. That's the deliverance that took place through the power of Jehovah God in her life and in the life of her family. And so let me say right at the outset of this message, let me just tell someone that may be in the house that feels like you're at the bottom and, and all you do is keep making bad decisions and your past is something that seems to continue to haunt you in your mind or even your reputation with family or friends that know about the kind of past uh, that you have. Let me just remind you that, that one word for Rahab leads me to another word that's called grace. Oh, hallelujah. The unmerited favor of Almighty God. It doesn't matter how many times you've been drunk, how many women you have slept with. It doesn't matter how many uh, stores you have shoplifted from and how many times you've used the Lord's name in vain. You are no different than Rahab. No one in the house is any different than Rahab. Before Jesus, we were just as lost and bound by sin, but thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God for grace. You see, for many years that I have studied the Bible and, and have preached and taught the Word of God, I always considered those two men as spies who were on a, on a mission for the Jews. They were on a reconnaissance mission to spy out the land by their leader, Joshua. But whereas they may have been sent to spy out the land by Joshua, 
The reality is God sent those two men to reach Rahab and to save her and her family. Oh, praise the Lord. That ought to give you some hope. That ought to give you some encouragement. You have loved ones, family members that are in the deepest pit of sin and everyone and everything is around them that is nothing but darkness. But can I tell you something? He is still able to save to the uttermost. And because he is a God of grace, he will go to the darkest place and he will find them and bring them home. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Her name was Rahab, the harlot. The second thing I want you to know is that her hope was in the rope. Her hope was in the rope. Listen to the words of this shady lady. She said, I know the Lord has given you the land. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea and our hearts have melted within us and there's no more courage that remains in us. The Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and He is God on the earth beneath. And then in verse 12, after she has hidden the spies from the king of Jericho, this is what she did. She pleaded with the men. She pleaded with the two spies, and this is what she said. Please show kindness to me and my father's house, and give me a true token that you will save alive my family. Don't lose sight of that, those two words right there. Give me a true token that you will spare my family. Give me a true token that I will not be destroyed when the Jews we've heard about for the last 80 years, when they come calling, and when we are next in their line of sight to be destroyed. Oh, when when that happens, give me a true token that we will be spared. The story goes on that she let them down by a scarlet rope. That scarlet rope became their way of escape. That scarlet rope helped them to get away. And as they were leaving, this is what they said to her, Bind that rope in your window. Bind that scarlet cord, the very rope that allowed us out, the very rope that allowed us to escape. Bind it in your window. This that has saved us will be that that will save you. Well, praise the Lord. If you will make up your mind and you will be determined and you'll fasten it with every fastener you got, that that you helped us to escape with will turn out to be your salvation. Because when we come to conquer the city, and we will come, the promised land has been given to us by Jehovah God, and there's not a city, there's not a nation that's going to be able to withstand the chosen people of God, the apple of his eye. When we come Jericho's direction, if we see the rope hanging in the window, we will spare you and your brothers and your sisters and your mother and your father and your children. Well, you know what she did? She didn't play games. She let them down by the rope and then she did exactly what they told her to do. She bound the oh I hope you get that in your spirit she bound that scarlet line in the window you got to get this this morning her life depended upon the rope her children's lives her parents lives her siblings lives depended upon the rope I imagine over the next three weeks from the time the spies came until the army invaded she was go. She would go and check the window. Maybe every day. Maybe every hour. She might have even pulled up a chair and said, you know what? I'm going to sit right here and make sure that nothing happens to this rope in the window. I imagine when a storm came through the city of Jericho, she rushed to the window to make sure the rope was still there. I imagine when the wind started picking up as it does in that land and even though she was on the side of a wall inside of Jericho probably funnel clouds came through and funnel winds came through and whipped everything about in that enclosed large city area she'd rush to the window I gotta make sure the rope is still there and if they if they will if they're gonna come destroy our family then as long as they see the rope I know that my family will be spared 
You're talking about having faith against overwhelming odds. Everyone else in the city is going to be destroyed. She's already acknowledged that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to take the city of Jericho on behalf of his people. But this was not just a way of escape for the spies. This was also a covenant sign between God and man. You see, throughout the Bible, when God would establish a covenant, he would give a physical or a material sign that would be between parties. It happened often when he made a covenant with Abraham. He sealed the covenant with circumcision. All the old men, all the young men, all the baby boys that were born, they all had to be circumcised as part of the covenant that they were God's chosen people. It was a physical sign between God and the nation of the Jews. How about God's covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai? When he made a covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai, he sealed it with sprinkled blood. How about God's covenant with Noah? When God made a covenant with Noah that he would never destroy the earth by flood again, he put a rainbow in the sky. A long time before these fanatics called the LGBTQ took a hold of it in the name of pride, God had put it in the sky in the name of promise. Oh, praise the Lord. It's been prostituted because the devil can't come up with any ori anything original, so he takes that that's pure and undefiled and turns it for his own purposes. And Oh, don't get me started this morning. I'll go there again. The truth of the matter is the rainbow has always been a sign of covenant between God and between man. God's covenant of the New Testament was the bread which represented the broken body and the wine which we use juice to represent the shed blood. And so all of these times God when he would establish covenant there would be many times he would give a, a sign of that covenant. And so this scarlet rope it meant something great to this harlot. It meant deliverance. It meant a house of safety. It meant her household was being spared. This was covenant rope. Her hope was in the rope. I'll say it again. Her hope was in the rope. Can you imagine her anxiety? Oh, can you imagine when the time came? You see, this is what I know. You can't hide two and a half million people. It's not like they can be stealth but so much. While everybody inside the encased walls of Jericho, walls so thick that at the top they were so wide, so thick that you could drive a chariot on the top of the walls. That's how impenetrable these walls were. But I'm telling you, you can't hide two and a half million people. And so she knew, like everybody else in the town, the king knew it, the peasant knew it, everyone knew that we're in. And they had closed themselves inside their barricaded city, thinking to themselves, no one's ever been able to get through this impenetrable city before. No one's going to get through it today. They knew they were coming. You can't hide two and a half million people that are coming across the top of the hill and down into the valley and, the, and are heading your way. You can't, you can't be stealth about that. Oh, but let me tell you, as she, as she looked, can you imagine her anxiety? Because, see, the command was given to the children of Israel. March around the city of Jericho one time every day. March quietly. No sound from the animals. No sound from the children. No sound from the adults. No arguing. No bickering. No fussing. No celebration. Just march around the city one time each day day for six solid days and I imagine as she looked out and as she heard the footprints as she heard them marching around the, the city the heavy feet of so many people she would probably rush the, the anxiety would get a hold of her and she would rush and look out the window and she would see as everyone else just looked out their window in horror and in anxiety and fear she looked out her window the difference was she was looking beyond the rope where she had all of her hope. I wish somebody would say amen this morning. And then she just stares. Others are looking out in fear and she's just staring at the covenant rope, her covenant sign. She's staring at the rope which is her hope as she's doing it six days in a row. And finally on the seventh day the, the scripture says that they marched around the city. Everybody else is thinking, well, they're going to march one time like they 
done before. It's strange. It's odd. But on this seventh day, they marched the seventh time. And when they got to the seventh time, the scripture says the trumpets began to blow. And the Jews began to shout, oh, praise the Lord. And Rahab and her son and her daughter and the father and the mother rushed to the window. And they looked out beyond the red rope in horror as 15-foot thick walls that surrounded the city. Jericho's pride suddenly collapsed. Oh, the Bible says in Joshua 6.23 that the wall fell down flat. It was like an earthquake that shook 99% of the city to its foundation. But I've come by to tell you there's some good news. Because of the red rope, because of the covenant, because of the promise, this one house built in the side of the wall was unshaken. The rope was still hanging and the house was still standing because her hope had been in the rope. God honored his end of the covenant as the rest of the city collapsed to the ground. Her scarlet rope had delivered the spies, and now her scarlet rope had delivered her and her family. What's hanging out the window of your soul? What identifies you today? What's your reputation today? For you football fans, you may remember this. It's been a few years back. It was a Thursday night. The New York Jets were playing the Buffalo Bills. And the New York Jets wore all green and the Buffalo Bills wore all red. No other color was on the field. I thought it was pretty cool looking myself. All red team played an all green team. But fans took to social media and they complained. Now, some of them had color blindness. And they could not tell the difference between the two teams. ESPN actually took a moment during the game and put a lens to show them as black and white. And they looked like they were all playing on the same team. The perception was that they were blending together. Today I want to say boldly, I am not Blending in. I want people seeing red. <laughs> you ever said that? Some of you young folks may not know this, but it's an old idiom. When someone says, I'm seeing red, that means they're mad. <laughs> I'm seeing red because you're late one more time. I'm seeing red because you canceled our date again. I'm seeing red because you cannot get the job done and you are on the verge of being terminated. In bull fighting, the matador beckons the bull, and you know how he does it? He does it with a red cape taunting him. It agitates the bull so much that the bull starts to charge him. The bull is mad. The bull is seeing red. What are, you, what are you trying to say to us today, Pastor? I'm telling you, it is time to hang the red scarlet rope out of the window of your soul, whether you're in the house of God, whether you're out of the house of God, whether you're in the store, whether you're driving down the road, that people don't see you, your gifts, your talents, your charisma. All they see is red, the rich red blood of Jesus Christ that has covered your soul and washed your sins away. Ah.
some folks say to me this morning. They said, what's the deal with the all black? I could say a couple of things. I could say I'm channeling my inner Johnny Cash. I could say when you wear black, people think you lost weight. But the truth is, the reason I wore black is because I want the red to pop. Hmm. It's time when the devil looks at you that he gets agitated and he sees blood red hanging over and out of the window of your soul. Hmm. Well, Satan will say, you had an abortion. To which you say, see the red. You've, had, you've been divorced too much. To which you say, see the red. You had a child out of wedlock. I'll say it again, devil. See the red. You've had homosexual tendencies. I say, see the red. You've been immoral. I say, see the red. You've been a drunk. I say, see the red. You've had, you've had, you've partied too much. See the red. You, you've, you have a record. I say, see the red. Why? Why do you say that? Because it's important for him to understand that he has no grounds of accusation in your life. He has no validity to point a finger at you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. I'm telling you when the devil looks at you he needs to see the rich red blood of Jesus draped over your soul. In fact, let me just go ahead and go big here. He is the accuser of the brethren. Too many of God's people are living in defeat. There is none perfect. There is none that hasn't sinned. There's none in this room that will go the rest of your days and you won't slip. As long as we're in this earthly tabernacle. We don't strive to sin. We strive to be like Jesus. But oh, when we stumble, the scripture says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Quit giving the devil a platform in your life. Tell the devil to see the red. We didn't use the S word in our family when Ben was young. Y'all are saying, what's the S word? We didn't want him to say stupid. We didn't want him to say shut up. But he's grown and gone now. So let me just say it. Shut up, devil! Because my hope is in the rope. My hope is in the crimson red flow of Calvary. You have no voice in my life. Mm. Watch this. Because she embraced the scarlet line. She ended up in the line of the scarlet lamb of God. I told you I was stirred up earlier. That hasn't died down yet. There are many, many churches that are taking the blood out of the church. 
and are preaching a gospel. And there is no gospel if there is no blood. There is no gospel. There is no Christianity if there is no blood. You can dress up and put any kind of name you want out there oh, you know, by the street and any kind of symbol on the wall. Any kind of insignia you want on your stationery. But the moment you give up the blood of Jesus, you have ceased to be the church of the living God. In Acts, he challenged the pastors, feed the flock of God, the church, which he has purchased with his own blood. Her hope was in the rope. What's hanging out the window of your soul? Well, I'm really, I'm really trying. I'm really trying. You can't do it on your own. But because of the blood, his, his grace will come in like a flood. And because of the blood, when, when your sins are lost... Because of what Jesus did on the cross, then you can then live in the victory. She looked out the window. Hallelujah. Maybe her son, daughter, when they started hearing the walls collapse around when they started hearing the yelling and the screaming of the residents of Jericho. Mom! Is the scarlet rope still in the window? Yes. The death angel is passing us by because we put our hope in the covenant sign of God. You'll go back to Exodus chapter 12, right before the children of Israel left Egypt. They were told, prepare, get your staff in your hand, it's going to be a quick meal. You're going to eat the Passover, strike the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your home. And God said, when my death angel sees the blood, he will pass over. I'm concerned about the church as a whole. I'm concerned that we've, we've either gotten away from the blood or we've added things to to make it more accommodating. When I stand before God at the end of my days, the only thing I want him to see is the crimson red blood of Jesus covering over and out of the window of my soul. I feel such a constraining right now to talk to young people and young adults. You don't know, can't comprehend the blessing of sitting in a Bible-believing, Bible, whole Bible-preaching church. And some of these precious saints that I look out here and see, in eight or ten years, fifteen years, we will, go on, we will have gone on to meet our eternal reward. Some will be sooner, some will be later. 
But when we go, one thing we're determined to do is to leave to the generation coming behind us a gospel that still believes in the shed blood of the Lamb of God. The red rope of Rahab had three purposes. Three purposes. One red rope in a window had three purposes. It was the rope that helped the two spies escape. Helped them escape. And immediately, Brother James, it took me to Hebrews. And it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Mm. The rope was also a sign of, of hope for Rahab. There was no other way out. Jesus and his shed blood by his own lips are the only way to the Father. The third thing that the rope did, it was a reminder to the two spies of the covenant between God and Rahab's family. Listen, God is, obligates himself to honor the covenant of his word with souls that are covered by his son's blood. You may have your religion. You may have your thoughts. You may buy into some of this puke that there are many ways to God. You may add something to the shed blood of Jesus. But if you listen to this preacher, when you do that, you invalidate the covenant God has with his people. I so want God to see me through the red. I so want the devil to see me through the red. I so want lost people to see me through the red. I may be wearing black, but you see red. That's the only thing that we have to live by. The only thing we have to live for. The only thing that we can brag about, that we can glory about, is that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. In another place, he said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom I'm crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me. That's all we have to brag about. Bow your heads with me. Lord, there are people in this room that are not covered by the blood of Jesus. I sense it in my spirit. I'm not going to beat around the bush here, Holy Spirit. I know you're speaking to hearts. I know there is a great deception out here in the world and seducers are waxing worse and worse. And men and women and young people that are not grounded in the truth of the gospel are being deceived even today. And yes, even in some houses of God. Even in some that are being called the house of God. Maybe someone here has a a reputation that is tainted. 
But Lord, would you remind them that you took, you took Rahab from harlot to scarlet. That's it. Rahab was me. Rahab was every person in this room. We were all Rahabs. We were all in sin, in spiritual harlotry against God. And you took us from harlot to being covered by your crimson red flow. Oh, precious is the flow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let me ask you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, you say, preacher, I'm not where I should be with Jesus. I know that I am not where I should be with Christ. I need cleansing. I need forgiveness. With no one looking around, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? God bless that hand. Hands are going up all over this place. Hands are going up all over this room. Thank you. You may lower them. Thank you for being honest before God. Will you take it a step further? And would you meet me down here? Would you meet me down here? And by you taking that walk of faith, taking that first step. <laughs> He's saying, Lord... I just need to come and talk to you a little bit. There's some things I need to confess. There's some things I need to repent over. I'm not ready to go in the rapture. I'm not ready to meet Jesus. Things are not good right now between me and my God. Maybe you've been away from him for years, but the Holy Spirit is drawing you right now. Will you come? Will you come? Father, Lord, in just a few moments, we're going to enter into a time of communion. And the scripture tells us to examine ourselves. And so may every soul in this room, between them and God, take some inventory right now. If there's some repentance, some confession that needs to happen, it's none of anyone's business. It's just them and Jesus. Because you warn us not to take communion unworthily. That it is a sacred time. It is a time of reverence. And Lord, I pray for those that raise their hands. I pray for their souls today. I pray that even right now as they sit in this sanctuary that they're putting some things under the blood with a broken and a contrite heart. For the scripture tells us that godly sorrow is what works repentance. Bring about that godly sorrow. Bring about that repentance, I pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. We search our hearts. We take inventory of our souls. Every believer, Lord, every believer in this room, Lord, every believer, may they pray and look at their own heart. May they pray and look at their own heart. I try to do it daily, Lord, but I, I'm sure I miss, I fail. I fail often to take inventory. Lord, may, may we get to a place that we daily, that we daily turn on the spotlight of the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. Have we been short-tempered with someone and we didn't repent over it? Have we lusted with our eyes or with our heart? Have we had pride and we brought attention to ourselves instead of giving glory to God? Have we slandered someone maliciously? Are we holding unforgiveness in our heart against a family member or a friend or a coworker, our supervisor, our pastor? God, let us search our hearts. Search our hearts. Search our hearts. I so want to be ready. When the trumpet sounds, I so, so want to be ready. 
I'm going to ask our ushers that they would come. be an usher in front of each section. I'm going to ask you to, to come starting from the back row forward if you would like to participate in communion. Just come and serve yourself and just move to the left and right until we filled up the altar area. We're going, to, we're going to make the time and take the time. He hung on a cross six hours one Friday and died for your salvation. We're going to make the time to honor him today, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You stand with me quietly, reverently. Beginning with the back row, would you just start to come? Come on, quickly. Quickly, but reverently. Just come and serve yourself. Just move to the left and to the right until we fill up this altar area. And my sins washed white, I owe, I owe to you, I owe to you. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life, I'm in scripture Matthew chapter 26 and as they were eating Jesus took the bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said take and eat this is my body you may now partake of the bread gave it to them saying drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins you may now partake of the cup
Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands to the Lamb of God? Would you worship the Lamb of God right now who made a, a way of escape? Would you worship the Lamb of God who is in covenant with you? His blood-covered children, his blood-washed children, his sin-eradicated children. Oh Lord, we bless you today. Lord, as their hands are raised, come on, raise them up all over this place. As their hands are raised, you know the ones that stand here that have broken bodies, that have headaches, that have struggles breathing, that have heart problems or are battling through cancer, treatments, their limbs, they're struggling with their arms, their legs, their shoulders. God, they're having a difficult time with their digestive system. There's all kinds of difficulties. Lord, would you just let your healing virtue flow over them right now? Come on, just reach up and receive from the Lord right now. Reach up and receive from the Lord right now. You know those who have blood pressure issues, Lord. Would you just touch them? Would you just touch them right now? Do what medicine can do. Lord, accomplish that. Those that are dealing with acute arthritis, that pain in their joints. God, would you just, even while they stand here, Lord. Dear sister told me a couple of weeks ago that while she stood here in the altar, God touched her kidney. She felt the, the loosing of her kidney and the pain was gone. The tightness was gone. I know you're able to do it today because of your broken body and your shed blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, don't get in a hurry. He hung six hours for you one Friday. Don't get in a hurry. Just revel in his presence right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power and majesty. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah who has title to this whole earth. But he was able to open the title because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, according to Revelation. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 